Welcome to Mindful Empowerment. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Elizabeth, and today's guest is Dr. Michael Gaeta. He is an educator, clinician, writer, and publisher in the field of natural health care. His purpose is, through clinical practice and teaching, to co-create a world of vital, resilient people who boldly make their contribution in the world. He believes that if every natural healthcare professional embodied excellent patient care and had a successful practice, we would together create a cultural shift to a new default lifestyle of nature first, drugs last. He holds a New York license in acupuncture, dietics, nutrition, and massage therapy, a Colorado license in acupuncture, and is a doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine in Rhode Island. Dr. Gaeta combines clinical nutrition, acupuncture, and herbal therapy and Asian bodywork to help people heal, grow, and evolve. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Gaeta. Thanks for the invite, Mary. Glad to be here. Thanks. Maybe we could start off with just a brief background of how you were able to evolve your practice to where you are today, and then maybe even initially how you got started in the field of natural health care. Maybe there was a person or experience involved. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, this is my, uh, was my second career was practice. Uh, my first career was as a musician. I play the piano. So I did that for many years and uh, started my initially massage therapy practice 30 years ago and uh, just wanted to do something that helped people in a more specific way uh, and ideally use my hands, which is important to me as a musician. Uh, so helping people, using my hands, doing something to make a difference in people's lives and in the world was my impetus. And then in massage therapy school in, in 1989, uh, I discovered, was first exposed to Chinese medicine and felt a real uh, congruence with that because it was a healing system with uh, an, an innate spiritual perspective or self-development perspective that was very attractive to me because I was looking for a way to integrate my own path of self-development and growth and spirituality into my healing arts practice. And so Chinese medicine was a good fit for that. Uh, and then it's just evolved from there, you know, including, you know, uh, practicing acupuncture and functional medicine and nutrition and herbal therapy. Uh, so, yeah, I've been practicing for 30 years and then uh, discovered I like to teach. And so I've been teaching now 27 years. Oh, that's excellent. And it was interesting how you started in, in one um, you know, aspect of it, and it kind of evolved and developed. And I know for me, being a pharmacist, I went to school and nice. I you know, was educated on the drugs. And then as I'm out practicing, I'm learning that there's, there's more to that and, and uh, you know, other, other sides. And so that's yes. part of why I'm, I'm doing this is to help to um, inform people and give them a chance on hearing about um, some alternative therapies and treatments that, you know, might be an option. Um, yes. And like you said, I, I like how you said a lifestyle of nature first and drugs last. Yes. Yeah. And, and I just want to be clear. I, I have, I'm not against, you know, drugs or pharmaceuticals or modern medicine or anything like that. It all has its place. Um, drugs are not bad, but as you know, you know, as well as anybody, they're just massively overused. Uh, and in the United States, at least, you know, we have about 5% of the world's population, and we consume about 50% of the world's pharmaceutical drugs, making giving us the most expensive medical system. I hesitate to call it healthcare, but medical system in the world. Uh, and we have generally the worst outcomes across the board that are measured of most developed countries. So we're spending the most, getting the least in terms of benefit, 
And I really appreciate what you're doing here, Mary, to uh, really share perspectives and ideas with people that there is another way to go, that there are other options available that have to do with diet and lifestyle and natural medicine and less invasive uh, approaches because most uh, healthcare costs are for chronic disease, about 80%, and most diseases lifestyle related. So uh, if we can address those lifestyle factors and the diet, the nutritional status, the lifestyle, the stress, exercise, sleep, these very simple things, um, what I've observed, you know, having treated, you know, many, many, many thousands of patients over the last 30 years is that, you know, there's just not as much of a need for pharmaceutical intervention, although it's there and necessary uh, when you need it. Uh, but, you know, if you use a natural approach, usually you don't. Yeah, and I, I think the things that you just touched on, the diet and the sleep and the nutrition, and if, if all those things are are addressed first, then, then yeah, a lot of times I'm, I'm not against you know, medication either. I think there's definitely a place for that. But Absolutely. I, yeah. I think, um, and looking at the diet, for example, and you use clinical nutrition, yeah. um, some people might never even heard of that term clinical nutrition. And how, sure. how would you describe that? And what does that look like in your practice? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question, Mary. That, so clinical nutrition um, is, as I define it, is the therapeutic use of diet and supplementation. So we can think of it as having you know, two uh, parts to it. One is the diet. And I would say there is a, you know, overall good dietary guidelines that would apply to most people. But then we go beyond that to, well, what would be the specific foods to eat and avoid for a particular person? So I would call that you know, more therapeutic uh, nutrition or clinical nutrition on the diet side. And then on the other side is more of the natural medicine side. So in my practice, using food-based and plant-based supplementation to try to bridge that gap between what we eat and what we need. Um, and so that, to me, is what clinical nutrition means, is a whole food diet and whole food supplements uh, to help us meet the, the unprecedented you know, demands of modern life. And so that's how I would, I would differentiate it as opposed to just, you know, eat a good diet. It, it can get a lot more specific than that. And that's what, you know, folks like me do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found um, like in, in pharmacy school and practice, it, there's often a one-liner kind of we read that says, get a good diet, which is important, but I, I didn't receive any <laughs> training on what is a good diet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, what I've heard over the years is that uh, physicians and pharmacists, what they learn and nurses, what they learn in school is like they'll just hand them the food pyramid and say, well, we'll eat that. And that's about it. You know, so it's not not a lot of specifics, Uh, but, you know, food is medicine and it can help us or harm us. And, you know, most chronic disease uh, relates to, at least in some part, uh, diet as a as a contributive factor. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that brings up, I was, I was going to ask you about the relationship you found between food and chronic disease. Yes. Like there's um, increasing prevalence of chronic disease and autoimmune conditions. And if you look at disease, a lot of things are caused by inflammation and yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I, if I could draw you a picture, uh, that might be good. Just give me a sec.
So, so if this was, um, if we look at supply, this is the, the model of supply and demand, Mary, is really useful. Supply and demand, supply and demand. And so we'll look at, say, uh, 1800s and today. Okay, and I'm, I don't want to idealize the 1800s that had a lot of challenges that we don't have today. But the supply nutritionally, this we had a, before the industrial revolution, we had mostly agrarian society. People lived close to their food and there was no pesticides, herbicides, genetically modified foods. And life was hard because you had to like work the land to, to eat. Uh, but the nutritional supply in terms of nutrient density, um, what we would consider whole unprocessed foods. Uh, my sister on her refrigerator has a magnet that says, uh, eat organic food, or as our grandparents called it, food. <laughs> because back then there was no chemical, you know, we, don't, we didn't have industrial agriculture and the horrors of genetic modification. So, Here's this nutritional supply and the demands of life at that time were significant. Uh, but my estimate is it was basically handled by the diet. There were other factors that were challenges at that time. Now, fast forward to today. Now, the, the food quality with the amount of processed, refined, adulterated, genetically modified, pasteurized, homogenized, refined flour, white sugar, all of that, we've actually have a much lower nutritional uh, quality. We have plenty of food to eat, but what we're suffering from is overconsumptive malnutrition. We eat plenty of food, but the quality of the food, the nutritional density of the food is, is much lower. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The demands of modern life today as compared to then are here. And if we wanted to get it right, this top line would go 20 or 30 feet higher. You know, it's immense. The amount of stress, the amount of electromagnetic radiation, man-made radiation, uh, environmental toxicity, which didn't, didn't exist, you know, 150 years ago. There was no, you know, now we're, you and I are exposed to about 80,000 man-made chemicals per year that didn't exist 100 years ago or so. We're, we're exposed to immense amounts of man-made radiation. I don't mean solar radiation, all of that. I mean man-made radiation, synthetic radiation, and just the amount of stress. So you add all that up, and we have an enormous burden. Now, this gap, and this is, this is a long answer to your question, uh, but we've got this massive gap between what we need to meet the demands of modern life and what we eat. And this gap leads to what you pointed out of chronic disease. Sorry, my handwriting is not so good. But this gap is a problem. And so my job as a clinical nutritionist is to increase people's nutritional supply and to, and to make up that gap with supplementation and herbs and other things. So we use diet and supplementation to meet this gap. And then certainly we wanna reduce the burden as much as possible. 
you know, turn off your Wi-Fi at night, use a headset, don't hold your cell phone next to your ear, uh, you know, don't use chemical-based body care and, ho and home care and cleaning products, use botanical-based things. So, so decrease the burden, but you also need to increase the supply. So if we do that, then we're good. Then we, we have enough support to meet the demands of modern life. If we don't, then we will definitely progress towards chronic disease, which is again, 80% of our healthcare costs today. So this is more looking at the cause, uh, not just the symptoms, right? And in your you know, very deep training, you learned a lot about how to manage the downstream manifestations of chronic disease, right? Oh, you have hypertension. Here's some, here's a beta blocker. Here's a calcium channel blocker. Here's a diuretic. And that, if it works. Your blood pressure comes down, but you haven't done anything to address the source of the problem. So my job and any holistic practitioner, our job is what we call root cause resolution. Root cause resolution is addressing the upstream cause of the problem, not just the downstream effects. It's like, you know, not like you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, you don't like what you see, and you start polishing the mirror. <laughs> it doesn't change anything. You have to work on you, not the, the mirror, right? Like, so if, you, if, if the oil light goes on in your car, you can add oil, or you can just cut the wire that goes to the, the oil light, right? Either way, the oil light goes off, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, look, the oil light went off. The, 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 there's no more oil light. Well, you just cut the wire. And we can do that with, you know, various pharmaceutical interventions, which effectively cut the wire that goes to that warning light in the car, but the problem is still there. You just don't see it because the symptom has been suppressed or managed by that chemical intervention, which certainly has its place, but doesn't do anything to address the actual source of the issue. That was great, thank you. Yeah, do you find you have a lot of people coming to you looking to help to prevent disease and, or, or is it more people who have a condition and they want to yeah. try another approach? Or? Right. Good question. Uh, and still, you know, still most people come in because they've, they've got chronic issues, autoimmune or cardiovascular or blood sugar or thyroid or pain or inflammation or whatever it is. And they've been to six doctors taken, you know, two dozen drugs over time, you know, and they're still not better. And they're, they, they're either at the end of their rope, like I have no, no other options. I've been through Western medicine. They can't help me. And this is my last resort, you know, my final attempt. Uh, or it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to just take drugs for the rest of my life. I want to actually get better and get to the cause of the problem. So that's most people. They have an issue. They want a natural approach to address it. However, uh, I'm happy to say that these days more and more people are coming in and reasonable health, and they want to do more fine-tuning and prevention. And prevention and early treatment, you know, are two of the kind of key principles of holistic health care, in addition to, you know, minimally invasive treatment uh, and root cause resolution. What would be one of the first things you would do? Look at their nutrition? Or? Yes. Yeah. So, so if you came in, Mary, I, I would say, okay, would you like me to look at your diet? And, and see if there's anything we can improve. And about 99% of the time, the answer is sure. Well, yeah, let's, let's look at that. And then I would say, okay, Mary, you know, just write down everything you eat and drink just for seven days. And on our next visit, we'll look at it. Uh, and then we look, you know, see 
what 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 are you eating that's like great keep that going uh what what are you eating that maybe you want to reduce a bit maybe you're overdoing it a bit and what are you eating that you just need to not be eating anymore uh and be pretty much off of that thing you know uh, know, artificial sweeteners are a good example um and uh so we look for those things the good the bad and the ugly and 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 really try to find you know what's the the, sustainable doable health promoting disease ameliorating and, and ultimately a preventative diet, you know, for that person. Do you have a general uh, approach of these are the things to eat, to not eat, to minimize, or if someone comes in for, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the basic principles are um, uh, one is to eat a nutrient dense diet, which is, you know, rich in vegetables and fruits and is a full fat diet. So we want plenty of healthy fats. And based on the person's level of physical activity, um, they might possibly need more protein. Not everybody needs to eat more protein, but based on how physically active you are, you might. Uh, and so that's, you know, in short, you know, that, that's what we want to put in. And, and certainly other things, you know, raw nuts and seeds and such, and lacto-fermented foods, uh, and then what's not there is, you know, what I call the SAD, S-A-D, the standard American diet, uh, which is loaded with sugar, for example, tons of sugar. The average American eats somewhere between a quarter pound and a half pound of sugar per day, uh, which is, you know, absurd. You know, the average American is somewhere around 130 pounds of sugar per year, and, you know, 100 years ago, it was four to five pounds of sugar per year. You know, so, uh, you know, the, the powers that be, uh, the food companies and the drug companies basically created a myth about 60 years ago that saturated fat and cholesterol in the diet were bad. And, and people still believe this nonsense of the low-fat, fat-free foods, cholesterol-free foods, the opposite of what would be healthy. And so 100 years ago, half of our diet in the U.S. was calories from fat. So half the diet in calories was fat. That was great. Um, But now because of this low-fat myth, people are eating about a third less fat. So we're about 35% fat these days. Uh, But what have we replaced that fat with? I think you know what's coming is, uh, is sugar. And so, you know, we've, we've loaded up on sugar to replace those fat calories and it's caused, it's been literally catastrophic. Nobody needs to be afraid of healthy fats, you know, olive oil, animal fats, you know, pastured animal fats, um, coconut oil, avocado, raw nuts and seeds, eggs. These are excellent foods and excellent sources of fat. Nobody needs to be afraid of those healthy fats. We do need to be avoiding you know, hydrogenated fats or fats from factory farmed animals. That's not good. Uh, but uh, ethical meats and eggs play an essential role in a human diet anyway, uh, alongside that you know, at least half the diet should be uh, vegetables and some fruits. So if you look at a, a, at a meal plate, you know, particularly you know, lunch and dinner, uh, at least half of that meal plate should be vegetables. And so, you know, people generally are high on sugar, high on carbs, especially refined, you know, white flour, white rice, white bread, pizza, bagels, pasta, 
um, and light on vegetables. You know, maybe there's like a leaf of iceberg lettuce on their burger <laughs> and they just have a massive you know, deficit there. So you, know, you can fix most disease over time with diet. But for most people these days, it's just not enough. A diet isn't enough to get them well in time before they have some serious complications. And that's where the importance of supplementation comes in with professional guidance, ideally, um, to you know, make up that gap between what we eat and uh, what we need. Mm -hmm. So for some of the people that have come to you almost as a last, last resort, they tried other things. And yeah. what, what kind of uh, success have you, have you found? Oh, very good. I mean, um, my practice has been entirely by referral you know, for the last, you know, roughly 20 years. Um, and, um, yeah, my success rate is, you know, well over 95%. Um, and, you know, so for example, uh, a guy came in, he was, uh, had terrible, you know, crippling rheumatoid arthritis and it's a very painful disease in its advanced stages. And this is an autoimmune attack on the joints. So the joints are breaking down There's a whole causes for autoimmune disease that we could get into, but, Basically, um, he had a uh, very severe case of rheumatoid arthritis affecting his joints, and uh, he couldn't open a jar. It's extremely painful. He was taking steroids for the pain and painkiller, you know, Tylenol and all this thing for the pain, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And you know, the doctors just said, "We really don't have much for you, other than these drugs for the rest of your life," which he felt really weren't helping him that much. And, um, and so, you know, he was at the end of his rope, you know, they were going to inject, you know, give him injections and more drugs and this and that, because that's all they have, you know, that's their toolbox. And it's understandable. They're trying to help uh, with a very, very teeny, 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 tiny toolbox of, you know, uh, of that. And uh, so he came in and really in desperation. And, you know, I'm happy to say once we cleaned up his diet, uh, did some detoxification procedures, um, got him on some food and plant-based supplements, acupuncture, Asian bodywork therapy. Um, you know, he was basically drug-free, 80% drug-free within four months and entirely drug-free except once in a while as needed for pain within, I think, six months. So he was ecstatic. You know, he can pick up his grandkids again and he can open a jar and all these things, you know. But again, what was the cause? Um, he was a, an electrician. This is in New York City where I used to live. And uh, he literally, his company had a long-term contract with New York City to rehabilitate abandoned buildings. So like super toxic, you know, uh, buildings that he was working in every day. And their other big contract that he was working on was rewiring the New York City sewer system. So for many, many years, like 10, 15 years, he was either in a sewer or in an abandoned building. So the amount of toxicity that he was exposed to was extraordinary. And, um, and that, you know, led, that contributed to over time, this, you know, autoimmune process, which thankfully is reversible. And we were able to reverse uh, his autoimmune process and uh, as well as give him some better quality of life and pain relief, which is really his big concern. That's really just an example. Yeah, yeah that, that really is remarkable. Um, considering a lot of the diseases like that, you know, I read are considered chronic and you have to be on the medication for the rest of your life. Yep. In, uh, yeah. 
from that perspective, that's true. Yeah. But that's, 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 you know, a little teeny, <laughs> it's this, here's the big picture. And that perspective is like this much of that picture. You know, it's, it's one piece of a hundred piece puzzle. So if you look at the other 99 pieces, the possibilities for healing and actually getting better are, you know, quite extraordinary. You know, if you give the body a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know I had, my grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis and how mm. crippling that could be. And yeah, wow. Um, to to have to be able to ha- have someone be able to increase their their function like that and their quality of life so that yeah that's pretty pretty amazing for sure yeah it's very gratifying yeah and let's see so is there any um specific i guess beyond what you've shared with the foods and the diet like are, are there other things that you you recommend like do you recommend people to take vitamins or minerals or just yeah. specific or for sure yeah i i don't believe it's possible anymore given the stress as the world goes through its cycles of transformation and awakening um as well as the amount of environmental pollution, you know, environmental toxicity we're exposed to, which, you know, the body is just not designed to handle that amount of toxicity. Uh, and the amount of radiation we're exposed to. And now, tragically, and people really need to know about this, um, that the governments and, and industry are rolling out, you know, a whole new wireless network, uh, the 5G you know, uh, system, which has absolutely no safety studies that demonstrate its safety in any human or animal studies. And so, and, and there's, you know, hundreds of studies demonstrating harm from this type of technology. And so without our consent, uh, we're, you know, starting to be bathed with this, you know, very new type of radiation, which our bodies are not designed to handle and which are directly associated causally related to a whole host of health problems. So, you know, you can't, even with a great diet, like a local, know your farmer, seasonal, organic, you know, uh, food, you know, you just, it's not enough anymore. You know, that, that amount of toxicity and radiation, we can't handle without supplemental support. And that's why everybody needs to be taking some type of nutritional and herbal supplementation. Uh, I recommend um, supplements that are more food and plant-based rather than the usual synthetic uh, drug companies make all the, you know, there are basically five pharmaceutical companies, you know, Roche, Aventus Pasteur, Pfizer, uh, Johnson & Johnson, that make all the world's vitamins out of petroleum uh, or genetically modified corn syrup. And uh, these are more like drugs. They have a pharmacological effect, not a nutritional effect. And so, you know, the average vitamins that people are taking, their Centrum and their Theragramm and their, you know, Twin Lab Daily One, and these are, there's no nutrition in there at all. It's a, it's a combination of chemicals, combination of drugs made by drug companies in the same way they make pharmaceuticals usually. Um, and, you know, this is very detrimental, actually does more harm than good. So I think, you know, working with more food and plant-based formulas where the ingredients are foods, not chemicals, is, is wise. So if you look at a label and you just see, you know, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, uh, folate, you know, this and that, you just see lists with milligrams next to it and you don't see any food that you can recognize. Oh, look, you know, carrots. Oh, look, you know, peas. Uh, oh, look, uh, kale. Um, 
that's that's a synthetic vitamin and that's the things that people need to avoid and so looking for supplements that are made of food and plants is much safer much more beneficial and um, much more restorative um, to the patient so um, yeah so that's in, in broad strokes what i would suggest there are a couple of like um on the herbal side you know there are a couple of like universally beneficial herbs that are just like healthy aging herbs uh, like echinacea root, for example, we used to think was just take it when you're sick and then stop. The 30 years of research, now we know it's actually a preventative healthy aging and wellness herb. Uh, so that would be an example, echinacea root. Green tea uh, is something people can put in their diet. You know, just have a cup of green tea, get off the coffee uh, and, or at least reduce it and introduce, you know, one or two cups or mugs of green tea per day. That would be extraordinarily helpful. Green tea has been shown, at least in the epidemiology, uh, in the population studies, to reduce cancer incidence by up to 50%. So cutting your cancer risk in half with a cup of tea, that's pretty cool. Um, and other things like that, including uh, lacto-fermented foods like apple cider vinegar, uh, like raw sauerkraut, um, getting your feet barefoot on the ground, uh, every day or most days, um, you know, looking at the sun with your eyes closed, sun gazing or at sunrise and sunset when the sun is low in the sky, you can look at it with your eyes open, at least briefly without harm. Things like that, simple things, making sure you're sleeping well and not using sleep medications to sleep uh, is extraordinarily helpful. And then if you are taking a medication, and most Americans are, we take half the world's drugs with 5% of the population, uh, then you know, find somebody like me uh, who works with people using a natural approach to help make the drugs unnecessary. Again, drugs are not bad, they're just overused. And if the body's working well, you don't need the drugs. You know? So um, uh, helping to address those root causes, then you don't need the symptomatic you know, intervention with uh, whatever. So really, really, then there's not necessarily a need to take your, you know, your your vitamin C or things like things like Those that. Those are all important. If you can get you need it, vitamin. you need vitamins. Just what what are they made of? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can use, you know, so I use a I use a vitamin C product called Cataplex C. It is vitamin C, but it's from foods, not synthetic ascorbic acid from petroleum or GMO corn, right? Which is most of it. Uh, Roche makes most of the world's ascorbic acid. And the FDA stupidly refers to ascorbic acid as vitamin C, which is not. Ascorbic acid is, uh, I'll just give you a little quick picture. So here is uh, all vitamins are complexes. So this is, we'll call it the C complex. Uh, the reductionists, and again, there's reductionism and holism, and when you apply reductionism to nutrition, you're just looking for single isolated chemical vitamins. And in this case, that would be this. This is ascorbic acid, right? Which is one part of the dozens of ingredients naturally occurring foods that make up the C complex, right? So the FDA says only that is vitamin C, which is absurd. And when you take a vitamin C pill, they just take that one little bit and make a pill of all that. It's just a whole lot of that. 500 milligrams, 1,000 milligrams of that chemical. 
It's a drug, not in the FDA sense, but it is a drug in the sense of it's a pharmaceutical intervention, uh, pharmacological effect, leaving out all the other stuff that's naturally occurring in food that is naturally goes along with that ascorbic acid. Uh, so that's the difference between a natural and synthetic vitamin. If you look on the, the label, you know, it'll say ascorbic acid, and then it'll say in parentheses vitamin C, which is incorrect, and then it'll say, you know, 1,000 milligrams, right? Um, a, a, a food supplement, you'll read the label and it'll say buckwheat, right? It'll say um, uh, mushroom, you know, and other foods that are high in the C complex. And then it'll say, you know, there's, I don't know, 350 milligrams of that. Of the whole C complex, there is ascorbic acid in those foods naturally occurring. Uh, but that's, again, not the functional part. Uh, not the, it's not the whole functional unit. In other words, uh, a hunk of brass is not a watch, right? If you just have a pile of, you know, uh, brass, when they used to make watches out of brass. If you had a, a pile of brass, that's not a watch. A watch is a functional unit, not just a single element. So that's the same thing with vitamins. So you always want to find supplements, because we all need them, uh, that are made of foods, not chemicals. I use standard process you know, supplements in my practice, and there are other companies that do that, um, that make food-based supplements. But that's the main thing, is to get off the synthetics and get onto food-based formulas. So if somebody wants a vitamin C, look for one that has the whole vitamin C complex and not just the ascorbic acid. Exactly. That's what you want. That's fabulous. Yeah. And you'll know if you look at the milligrams, if it says 500 milligrams of ascorbic acid, then you know it's not a food supplement because the pill would have to be like that big. <laughs> if it was going to have 500 milligrams of naturally occurring ascorbic acid, ascorbic acid by weight is only about 5% of the C complex. So that's an estimate. So the pill would be like a golf ball if it was like 400 milligrams of ascorbic acid in there. So um, that's how you know. It's very small amounts of ascorbic acid, but it has all the other naturally occurring cofactors that are part of the C-complex that come from foods. So if someone's only getting just that little part, the ascorbic yeah. acid, is that even going to really do any? If, if Over time, will do more harm than good. You know, people who take these synthetic multivitamins, for example, like Centrum or Centrum Silver, or Purple or Blue or whatever colors, whatever colors they have these days, um, the, the population studies, the epidemiology on this is that their all-cause mortality is, is 8 to 16% higher if they take synthetic vitamins than if they take no vitamins. So it appears that, and we see this with synthetic antioxidants, um, uh, it increases one's risk of cancer potentially by interfering with natural cancer defense mechanisms like apoptosis. So it appears that taking synthetic vitamins actually does more harm than good uh, because it's, it's basically polypharmacy. You're taking a bunch of chemicals at the same time. You know, just like in your training, you know, you have to be careful if you combine, you know, two or three or five or six or 10, you know, drugs at the same time in the same patient on the same, on the same day, you've got to be careful about that. And I, and I always really appreciate over the years, all the pharmacists that have saved many of my patients from great harm or worse, because they caught 
the bad interactions uh, of combining several different drugs from several different physicians going to the same patient. And thankfully, the pharmacist said, hey, wait a minute, this could kill you or this could really hurt you if you take all these prescriptions from all these different specialists at the same time in the same person. So it's like that with, with vitamins. It's like that with, with, with synthetic supplements, which is mostly, you know, again, what people take. Yeah. And you brought up the, the rolling out of the, the 5G earlier too, and the and EMF. Yep. And I, is, is there any, anything you're, you can recommend to people to help to reduce the effects on them? Or? Yeah, the first thing to do is to get active in your community. Talk to your city council talk to your mayor, talk to your, you know, whoever is making decisions where you live and be very clear with them that you oppose uh, all 5G installations until they have long-term 5, 10, 15 year safety studies. Because this is, you know, we're guinea pigs. You know, they're just, you know, irradiating the population with this millimeter type radiation without any Evident and they even admitted it. So, like, yeah, we even in the government hearings, they said, yeah, we don't have any safety studies. Like, what? You're gonna you're gonna bathe the planet. You're gonna bathe seven billion people in a new in a new type of radiation that's never been studied before to establish that it might possibly be safe or not. And uh, their answer was yes. That we we haven't studied this. They're just assuming that it's safe without actually demonstrating safety. An absence of safety data doesn't mean it's safe, right? Well, you know that, you know, from drug research, you know, just cause you roll out, let's just say you rolled out a new drug that had no clinical trials done and they just rolled out a new drug uh, just because they didn't do the studies, doesn't mean it's safe, just means they didn't do the studies, right? And that's why drugs go through four phases of clinical trials to, to demonstrate you know, hopefully, uh, both safety and efficacy. But that has not been done with 5G and a lot of other things that are recommended to us. Mm -hmm. How about um, recently, it, it seems, um, you know, here I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and now oh, yeah. more um, places are requiring you have to have a mask to go into it. And yeah. any, any studies that you've found that it's, would show it's that absurd that it's it's completely absurd uh it's it's uh, has no basis in any credible science evidence or data it, they absolutely do not work masking the entire population of healthy asymptomatic people who are not sick and not symptomatic is absurd and actually does more harm than good i've been reading the science on this for four months and there's no credible not a single credible respectable study that has demonstrated that masking the entire population helps at all. And when did this so-called, it's not real, but so-called uh, resurgence of new cases happen after they clamped down on the masks? Everything's gotten worse since they've clamped down on, the, on the, these, these ridiculous, very, very detrimental mask mandates. So I teach a, a weekly webinar on Mondays at uh, your time would be 1 p.m. Eastern time, every Monday and it's free, uh, called Natural Immune Support for Today's World. And I've been doing this, I just did my 20th one, This so it's going over about five months since March. And, um, and I talk about this you know, quite a bit. Uh, and uh, people, if interested in that, they can go to michaelgata.com uh, and uh, they can register, it's free. 
and uh, we get together every Monday to look at these things. And one of the things we've been looking at is the science uh, related to masks definitely shows that they don't work, they don't help, there's no benefit, and that they very likely do harm, at least for the person wearing the mask, definitely harmful, definitely dangerous, definitely makes things worse uh, in terms of infection risk, hypoxia, immune function, everything is worse when you wear a mask for a prolonged period of time. And we know this, all the science is there. You wear a mask for more than you know, 20, 30 minutes, certainly an hour, and you're gonna experience most likely a significant degree of what we call hypoxia, which is you know, lack of oxygen, which you need to live on in your blood. So you're, you're kind of suffocating yourself uh, with slowly you know, with the mask and they don't help. They don't reduce transmission, they don't reduce spread, they don't flatten the curve, they don't do any of those things. Um, they just make things worse. But it's, this is not about the virus, it's about government control uh, and eliminating our freedoms uh, for no value. It's just, it's, it's fear-mongering and hysteria and propaganda. It's not science. There is no science to support the universal masking of the entire population. And the vaccine they're coming out with will be untested. And some people are gonna to want to force that on the population, again, without safety testing. Uh, you know, it takes years to establish safety of any drug. Um, as you know, you know, like Lipitor, it's a, you know, that blockbuster drug for Merck, uh, you know, they spent seven years evaluating the safety of that drug, right? Um, and it still does a lot of harm and it doesn't help in cardiovascular prevention, uh, certainly not primary prevention, um, but at least they attempted to do the safety research and it took them six or seven years. So, you know, uh, any type of vaccine mandate will be completely evil, I will say, uh, not lightly, because, you know, you're risking the health of the population for an untested drug. And already between a third and 50% of the people in the experimental groups have had uh, mild to fatal injury uh, from the experimental vaccines for COVID. So, you know, this is a very, very dangerous uh, situation, but you have these, you know, leftist radicals in the mainstream media, like at USA Today and Time Magazine and New York Times, uh, saying that, you know, it's the American patriotic thing to do to line up and get your shot. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the epitome of unethical medical practice, which requires informed voluntary consent. So uh, I'm concerned, you know, the mask mandates, I think are just a prelude for what might be, at least in certain states, you know, vaccine mandates, which is very, very, very dangerous ground to tread on. And for folks who are interested, I created a, an online course, which is free, called uh, Vaccines and Choice. Um, and uh, it's all about the importance of, of choice and informed consent and uh, healthcare freedom of choice. So you can get that for free at michaelgata.com as well. Just click on trainings. Yeah, it's like we're living in a time where to go to the grocery store, you need to put on a mask that's decreasing your oxygen. It's absurd. And and then the, most people are eating the processed food, like cereal for breakfast or <laughs> like right. a sandwich for lunch, then right. you eat bread and then maybe pasta for dinner. Right. And then you turn on the news and they're told you're going to have to take this vaccine before we can go back to normal. So it's yes. definitely an yeah. environment with a lot of, yeah, a lot of fear and concern. So what do you, what do you kind of tell people to, to do or, or advise them or what do you? The, the main thing, you know, like a, a million people just showed up and took to the streets in Berlin, a million people 
marched in the streets of Berlin protesting these baseless government, tyrannical, overreaching interventions like masks and distancing, which have no basis in reality. It doesn't help anything. Um, and it actually impairs the recovery from the pandemic, which requires herd immunity. Um, and a million people took to the streets. And of course, the, you know, the, the uh, socialist, communist, leftist at the New York Times referred to these million Germans in the streets of Berlin as Nazis. And I think if there were a million Nazis in the streets of Berlin, somebody would like note that. <laughs> and that would be of some significance. But that's just, you know, the fake news machine, you know, of the leftist media doing its thing. Uh, but we need more of that. We need people, you know, the, it's, uh, speaking of Nazis, only 10% of Germans were part of the Nazi party in World War II. Uh, the other 90% went along with what those 10% did. And so if enough people say nothing, then the government controls your life uh, and they control your body, right? Do you want the government controlling your personal body is a question that we need to ask ourselves. And uh, amazingly, some people are like, yes, government knows best. I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't make my own decisions. Um, and that's, you know, that's the attitude of the, of the far left is the government knows better than you do how to live your life. Uh, and we see this with the mandates of everything. Uh, but people need to take a stand, you know, and related to 5G, many, many communities around the world have banned 5G, like the town, the city, uh, they've banned 5G because enough citizens stood up and said, no, I don't want this. This is dangerous. You can't show me that it's safe. And more people need to do the same thing with masks, which don't work, with vaccines, which are untested. Um, they actually skip the animal studies in most of these vaccine trials. That's, that's like very, very, I mean, can you imagine, you know, you're a pharmacologist, can you, can you imagine a new drug being uh, submitted for approval to the FDA where they skipped animal studies altogether and went directly to human trials? What would you think about that as yeah. a pharmacist? Yeah, I heard they were doing that with a the vaccine. Yeah. They are, they are. Yeah, so they, you know, they, they vaccinated 30,000, with the Moderna vaccine, they vaccinated 30,000 people. Half of them had side effects. Uh, about a third of those were, were serious adverse effects. And then they, you know, did a few monkeys after that. But this is very unethical. And, um, and to think that vaccines are going to save us, they never, they never have. And, you know, this is, a, an, this is a pandemic with very similar mortality, death rate, as the annual flu. So the number of people as a percentage of the population dying from COVID, and again, lots of people die with COVID, very few people die, some do for sure, but relatively few people die from COVID. COVID has a very low mortality rate, but the government is um, uh, encouraging with, by paying them off, they're, they're basically bribing doctors and hospitals to diagnose every death they come across as a COVID death. So we have to differentiate between dying from COVID and dying with COVID. So dying from COVID is very, you know, pretty unusual. Uh, it happens. Many people have died. I'm not, not, not questioning that. Uh, but far more people are dying with COVID. So they have a heart attack and in the, in the ERs listed as a COVID death. 
guy, it was another study, another article, guy died of a motorcycle crash, listed as a COVID death. A skydiver, parachute didn't open, COVID death. You know, all this crazy stuff is happening. And even the horrible, you know, horrendous, like one of the worst ever mayors in history, Andrew Cuomo in New York. And I grew up, you know, when his father was mayor, he was wonderful. But his son is like this leftist radical uh, and even said in a press conference, we can't explain why nobody's dying of anything else. He actually said that in a press conference. Well, the reason why is that you're paying people, you're paying doctors and hospitals to diagnose everybody on the death certificate as a COVID death, regardless of whether that was actually the cause of death. They made a big deal about this nine-year-old girl in Florida, and probably, I don't know how far from you, uh, this little girl uh, died of, you know, uh, uh, that was claimed to be a COVID death, but there was no actual evidence that it was COVID. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, the cause of death was really undetermined. They just assumed uh, it was caused by COVID. And the little girl had symptoms, went into the hospital, was given shots and other drugs, and then died six days later after the hospital admission. And of course, rather than saying, hey, wait, what did we, what drugs did we give her? What vaccines did we give her? What drug, you know, what, what did we do to her in the hospital that may have contributed to her dying six days later? Oh, no, no, everything is COVID. So, uh, you know, for something that has a death rate at worst, similar to even a severe seasonal annual flu, the government, you know, uh, response to this and the masking and the distancing and all that is completely unwarranted and unjustifiable. And, you know, to answer your question again, people have to actually do something about it and say no. You know, I don't wear a mask unless somebody says, please put your mask on. And it's a private business where they can set policy in their business. But, you know, we, we need more people walking around without a mask. And, and countries that haven't done the heavy masking are doing better than the U.S. So the masks, obviously, any way you slice it, basic science, randomized control trials, epidemiology, any, st any way you want to slice the science, masks don't work. Uh, and, you know, people are just, you know, sometimes they act like sheep uh, where the, they just, you know, government, oh, here's what you need to do. And they don't question anything or think for themselves. So I'm really concerned, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a passionate advocate for healthcare freedom of choice in any area of life. And I do believe that people aren't stupid, that if you leave them to their own devices and stay the heck out of their you know, meddling in their personal bodily affairs, that they will do the right thing, that they are people can, they, they're smart enough to run their own life and uh, they don't need the government to tell them how to live their life. So, um, you know, that's just my perspective on it. But uh, I think the question, you know, you're asking about this is really important. Yeah, I, I know here, if I go to a business that doesn't require it, oftentimes, I, I think I'm pretty much the only one in the whole store that doesn't wear a mask. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. And, and also, I, I know I was looking on the CDC's website, I can't remember the exact month, but they basically said after this date, we're going to stop counting the, the flu deaths caused to flu, flu, by flu this year. And yeah, yeah, all the numbers are wrong. You know, the more all of the cases are wrong. All the, so the, the number, the more, their morbidity statistics are all wrong. The number of cases are inflated and the number of deaths are all wrong. All the deaths are inflated because they're diagnosing everything as COVID on the death certificate, even though it's not. And the testing hasn't been validated. The antibody tests don't work. Uh, they'll tell you, you know, you've been exposed to something 
Maybe you had the flu. Maybe you had a cold. Maybe you had some other strain of coronavirus. 10% of the flu is caused by, has been caused by coronaviruses for, you know, decades. So, you know, coronaviruses are not new. This is a novel one that appears to be, have been manufactured synthetically, uh, a man-made strain uh, in the Wuhan lab. Um, that's a, a theory. Uh, but, you know, the, um, you know, the coronaviruses are not new. And, um, you know, the, we don't have valid testing. So the test results are, are never correct. And they're diagnosing people with positive IgG. So it means long-term historical exposure. They're actually immune as a case. <laughs> they're not a case. They're immune. They don't have any symptoms. They're not a case. But they're lumping everything, everything imaginable as a case. And if you, Mary, went into a clinic and got tested for COVID once and you tested positive, and it was an IgG test, not an IgM test, which would be more a current disease, um, active disease. And then you went back the next week and got tested again. And then the next week got tested again. And you got five, six, seven, eight positive tests. Florida would count you as eight cases, uh, not one. You would be eight different cases in the statistics. So we're being lied to all over the place to justify these unjustifiable, tyrannical, um, you know, nefarious government overreach interventions like masking and vaccines and distancing. Uh, so, you know, what we need, and this is the three-point plan that I talk about in the immune seminars, the first thing we need is to do immune support. Nobody's talking about immune support. Well, how do we just stay healthy? How do we increase our resistance to all disease and infection? How about that? How about sun exposure? How about exercise? How about stop eating junk food? Um, how about things like that? How about social connection, not social distancing? hugs and social connection and being with people you love, um, all of that. Uh, let's talk about immune support. That's point one of the three-point plan. The second of, the th of my three-point plan is broad exposure. We want everybody to get exposed. Uh, very few people who get exposed get sick, right? 98% uh, of the folks who get exposed to coronavirus have no symptoms. They recover without actually ever knowing they ever had it. And so they they recover asymptomatically. And uh, so that's how we get to herd immunity, where somewhere between 60 and 70% of the population is naturally exposed to a wild infection, then that does have a protective effect on the folks that haven't been exposed yet. You only get herd immunity from natural infection, never from vaccines. Vaccine-based herd immunity is completely impossible. It's never happened before, and it's, it's medically, scientifically impossible. And then, so you've got broad exposure for herd immunity, and then, well, what if somebody gets sick? Great, we have treatments available. Uh, in my world, in the natural health world, we have very effective treatments for folks who get COVID. Uh, herbs, like antiviral herbs, like St. John's Ward and licorice, for example. Uh, we have uh, immune support like calcium, calcium and C-complex and echinacea that enhance immune response. So we have effective natural treatments and <clears throat> there are very effective Pharmaceutical treatments, and you're aware of the hydroxychloroquine um, uh, drug and the zinc and the Z-Pak, the Zithromax antibacterial antibiotic, um, that has like a 99% effectiveness rate, right? And it's very safe. These drugs have been around for a long time, and zinc isn't even a drug. Um, and so we have, and of course, all of this you know, the, has been suppressed. The government does not want people to know that there are effective 
pharmaceutical drug treatments available because then everybody will be like, hey, I don't need a vaccine. If I get sick, there's a drug. And there is. And so, you know, there's been so much censorship in Google and Facebook and Instagram and um, YouTube and Twitter and every, it's all censored. And uh, anything natural is censored. You know, when somebody says, you don't need drug, you don't need vaccines, we have effective treatments. They literally take down those videos and posts and make, make it so people can't see them. You know, there's, you know, these are examples of the, the extreme far left, like Google, like Facebook, um, like the mainstream media, uh, censoring uh, information that people should have so they can make their own decision. So, you know, that's the third point of the plan is if people do get sick, no problem. We have effective treatments that reliably work that are very safe. And uh, so none of that involves distancing, none of that involves masks, none of that involves vaccines, because um, none of those things are necessary for sure. There's much safer ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at the overall death rate of uh, this year compared to last year, do you even see any evidence for a pandemic? No. no. Well, I mean, yeah, I, we, it, it, it used to meet the, the um, World Health Organization, CDC, they, they have um, definitions of what pandemic means. They, they, if this, if these conditions are met, it's an epidemic. If these conditions are met, it's a pandemic. And it did meet that, but it hasn't in several weeks, because the death rate, despite you know, uh, the, despite everything, the death and the number of cases has gone up because we have invalid tests, multiple people being tested, and people being diagnosed as a case without any testing, just based on symptoms. Oh, you have a cough, must be COVID. Oh, you have shortness of breath and a fever, must be COVID. What are you talking about? There's like dozens of things that can cause that. So you have people being diagnosed as a case with just symptomatically. So all the numbers are inflated. And so now you have um, uh, the, I'm sorry, remind me of your question again. I, I lost my train, train of thought. Well, I, th- I think maybe the, the better way, way to phrase it would have been, um, and well, I was thinking of the death rate as, as far death as rate, the yes. pandemic, but maybe it's more the ca- number of cases. And then really, is there a, a, a statistically um, significant difference in death rate of this year compared to last year? I, I don't believe there is. Uh, I think uh, deaths have been reallocated as COVID when it was, other th- it was diagnosed as other things in other years. And even if you use the, the worst case, official death rate, you know, case fatality rate, the CFR, is at worst, this is the highest number you could possibly come up with, is 2.26%, right? SARS in 2003 um, was, was 10 or 15%. MERS, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, these are all different coronaviruses, had a mortality rate of 33%. So if you got MERS, one in three percent chance you're going to die. That's pretty serious. Thankfully, very few people got it. SARS had, you know, I think it was ten or fifteen percent mortality rate. That's a lot. Like you get it, you know, one in eight, you're going to die. That's a lot. Thankfully, not many people got it. Um, and so with this thing, you know, it's at worst um, a mortality rate, you know, one uh, twentieth that of that of SARS and uh, the the seasonal flu that everybody gets every year. The flu runs through town, <laughs> and the death rate there is about one, about 0.1%, and this thing is 0.2% or 0.26%. So, you know, it's a severe annual flu, period, and that's at worst. 
I think more accurately, if you want to get better, tighter, more accurate numbers, the death rate is closer to 0.06%, making it like, you know, 20 times less lethal than the annual flu. So the the mortality rate, Mary, keeps going down, not because of masks, obviously, but the mortality rate keeps going down, even though cases are going up because you're doing more testing. The more people you test, uh, the more positives you're going to get, and the tests haven't even been validated. Mm-hmm. So, and more people are going back to the hospital, you know, for elective procedures that they couldn't have for months. Now they're all getting their hernias fixed and their carpal tunnel release and their knee replacement, all this elective stuff. They're coming back to it now. And of course they get tested. So you have more people being tested in the hospital, more people being tested in general. And of course you're going to have more, te- more positives, even though the positives are not relevant. They haven't been you know, it's not specific to COVID-19. The antibody tests are not specific to COVID-19. And so, um, you know, this whole thing is a, is a disaster. It's really a Orwellian nightmare of government control. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the, the three-point plan that you shared. I think that's something Thanks. really practical that people can do. And then also your advice for people to contact their local representatives and, and to to not kind of just submit and be afraid, but the more people yes. that kind of stand up and do the right thing and show example to other people. Absolutely. And if folks want to find out more about 5G, there's the 5G Summit, it's called, 5G Summit, where they have like dozens of scientists and experts, you know, talking about the science, the evidence of how dangerous this is. So people can get uh, the recordings of that summit if they want and learn the evidence, learn the science, learn the real health risks of 5G. And there's also like a, an activism part of that, like, what do you do? You know, and, uh, but people need to take a stand for sure. Too many people are, their brains turn off and they just blindly accept whatever the government tells them uh, and not question it. And that's very, very dangerous. Like the, the meta disease of our time is apathy. Uh, where people stop thinking and then they stop doing. One of those two will lead to apathy. If you don't think about anything for yourself, you're not going to do anything. Uh, and if you know, but you don't do, you know, that's again, uh, an apathy situation, which is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I, th- I think some people, when they might listen a little bit, but then they almost start to become maybe afraid and they, they kind yes. of shut down and say, well, I don't want to hear it. I'd almost rather yes. not know. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, cognitive dissonance is a powerful thing. If if you know, if I tell somebody and I can point to all the data, if I can tell somebody that if I just share the fact, factual historical data that no vaccine ever eliminated any epidemic at any time in human history from smallpox to polio to whatever, um, they they like it's like they, it's like they get unplugged from the matrix and like they have a seizure. And, uh, you know, it's some people are like, oh, 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 like they can't handle it. And so they just prefer to go back to sleep instead of, you know, swallow the bitter pill and wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't quite found the right right way, the right approach, I think, to yeah. how to how to communicate that. And, mm. you know, I think, well, if you think long term, big picture, you're better off knowing. But I think maybe people have to get to the point where they're able to accept that. I think so, because I think the alternative, Mary, is not good, where we just end up in a police state where the government controls every aspect of your life. You know, it's like the boiled frog syndrome. 
you know, I don't know if it's actually true, but supposedly if you stick a frog in water and if you stick the frog in boiling water, it jumps right out. But if you stick it in cold water and just gradually turn the heat up, it'll actually die. Uh, get boil, it'll get boiled alive before it even knows it's being boiled alive. Uh, so I, don't, I, I haven't done that experiment, but supposedly, but it's something like that is happening where people are incrementally um, being lulled to sleep and, uh, and, you know, basically encouraged to don't, to, to let somebody else tell them the government uh, and the media to tell them how to run their lives. And that's a very dangerous proposition. A lot of people have fought and bled and died for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Uh, and, you know, people don't, don't understand that at all. They don't appreciate, you know, the sacrifices that were made for us to have that the amount of freedom that we do in this country is extraordinary. Like we, this is like the most remarkable nation in history and uh, people don't get it that what we have here is pretty incredibly amazing and that uh, it's not a guarantee that it's going to stay that way. You know, it's uh, you know, freedom is never given. It must be taken uh, because there's somebody in power that's going to want to lord it over somebody else, you know, whether it's, uh, Governor Polis in Colorado, another tyrant, uh, Cuomo in New York, Newsom in California, Inslee in uh, Washington, um, Whitmer in Michigan. These horrible, horrible people, not bad people, but they're, they're, they're just terrible governors uh, who are on a power trip. Like, I control your life and I'm not going to let go. You know, uh, the governor, horrible governor here in Colorado, uh, extended his emergency powers as governor in an emergency five times. <laughs> which is which is unprecedented, you know. So the he he's basically eliminated the elected legislature as a governing body, which is you know, I mean, he should be removed from office like yesterday, and that's true of all these other horrible governors that have destroyed the country. You know, the 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 government has done far more harm than the virus. Uh, there's no need for our economy to be destroyed. For you know, our suicide rates are going through the roof. Um, violent crime, uh, people are desperate because the government has destroyed the economy uh, for no good reason and, uh, has sh and is showing no signs of letting up their control over the people. You know, So if you look at Sweden, they didn't trash their economy. They didn't mask. They didn't, you know, they just let people like be sensible. Like you can figure it out. Uh, if you want to wear a mask, go right ahead. Uh, but they didn't trash their economy. They didn't, you know, um, lock down their country and you know, uh, put their citizens on house arrest, uh, which is what we have here with these lockdowns, stay home, all this garbage. Um, and they're doing fine. They're doing better than we are, you know, a lot better. So, you know, there's no evidence, to, you know, so I, I, that's my main concern is, is the virus needs to be addressed. Um, and I talked about how to do that, but the bigger problem is not the virus, it's the government and it's the media, you know, this, this extreme, extreme left um, and American politics has taken over the Democratic Party. It's taken over the media. Um, and it's, it's literally in 1984, George Orwell, I don't know if you read the book, but there was the thought police. Uh, and the thought police in 1984, it's, you know, 16 years later, uh, but, or 26 years later, but it's, oh no, it's 36 years later, uh, 36 years late, but we now have the thought police. And the thought police is called Google. The thought police is called Facebook. The thought police is called uh, YouTube. You know, these are all censored platforms and the mainstream media just lying to people every day, all day 
about how bad this thing is. So they give up their freedom. And uh, this is really, uh, that's the crisis we're in. It's not the virus, it's the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. That's a good good point. Like we addressed what can people do about getting, you know, preventing um, getting the virus or getting the flu or cold and help to boost their immune system, but really what is the bigger picture problem? And yes. yeah, I think um, a lot of people may have their head, have a hard time wrapping their head around like, why would the government For sure. do that? And then, yes. yeah. And, yeah. And it's not the entire government, right? There are good governors out there. Like Christy uh, Rome in, in uh, South Dakota, who I think is like one of the greatest governors around. She's amazing. Um, and she's letting her citizens manage themselves. And her state, like other non-lockdown states, have better statistics than all the lockdown states, right? So, you know, uh, the lockdown distancing masking thing has failed. And, uh, you know, people need to take their power back from the government and call out the lies of the media. And, uh, and it's, you're right, it's hard. Some people would rather just not deal with it. I'm just gonna, you know, take care of myself and my family. And I don't know, I'll let everything else, the chips fall where they may, but, uh, that's not what this country was based on. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, maybe in in ending, I liked your your phrase. Um, freedom isn't free. You have to you have to take it. Right. Mm-hmm. You said that a little better than I did, but for sure, no, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, uh, the, at the at the end of the Constitutional Convention in 1789, uh, where the delegates from the colonies finally hammered out the U.S. Constitution, the most enlightened document, governing document in human history, uh, which we are now like destroying step by step. But the most advanced, spiritually aware, uh, pioneering, you know, document for governing a people ever. And Benjamin Franklin, you know, who was literally the most famous person on earth before he got into politics as a scientist, Somebody asked him, a citizen, said, Dr. Franklin, what have you done? In other words, what just happened here over this, you know, very heated debate of the Constitutional Convention? When they finally finished and they all got behind it, they're like, all right, this is it. This is how we're going to run this country. This is the highest law in the land. And Franklin turned to this gentleman and he said, a republic, if you can keep it. In other words, a representative democracy if you can keep it. So it's like, we're, we're giving it to you, but you gotta, you know, you have to uh, protect it. That's basically what he was saying. And that's, you know, the main thing, you know, that, that's needed today. Um, you know, the, our, our, the biggest threat today is not coronavirus, but it's, you know, primarily uh, the state governments and governors, uh, many of them, and, uh, and the, you know, the whole mainstream media and medicine you know, just trying to control people's lives. Yeah. And I, I think in, in closing, um, it's, I think it is time right now for people to take their power back at an individual level with their health and yes. then also in their community and in their cities and in their countries. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It starts with the family, you know, people, you know, protecting their families because uh, uh, it's, you know, uh, the family is the le- is the last defense against the government. You know, the government's trying to rip apart the family and say, you don't need a family, you need the government. 
but if we're going to protect our kids from the government, you know, it's going to be parents doing that. And whatever unit we have, you know, we've got to, that's where it all starts is with the individual and then the family and then outward from there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I would, uh, you know, I certainly welcome your uh, listeners to go to michaelgata.com. You can join us for our uh, free uh, weekly immune webinars. There's a free online course, Vaccines and Choice. And one of the subjects we touched on today is uh, herbal medicine and herbs. And uh, I'm, I'm doing a herbal summer school uh, next weekend, which will also be recorded for those who want it. Uh, and you can see all that at uh, michaelgata.com. So there's lots of free stuff and, and some trainings. And also if, if folks are interested in uh, consulting uh, with me, I 90% of my practice is working through the phone and through video with people. Um, they can also make an appointment for a consultation uh, at the same spot, you know, michaelgata.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Gaeta. I really appreciate your time and, you and your expertise and everything you shared. It was knowledgeable, informative, and inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.